Um, every interaction you need to create value both ways. The finish line was just here. I fell towards it and my nose was a fraction <laughs> over it. Three months after I started, the gold price fell by 25% and yep. the whole business um, was cash flow negative in a significant way. Just because you're the strongest, it doesn't mean you have to win all the time. I often believe that if you get the how right, the what will look after itself. You can either work within the boundaries that are set for you or you can think outside of them. To be happy in your job, you need to... Gavin Wood, a highly accountable and commercial tech leader, a true trailblazer in the Australian tech industry and our very first tech titan. With over 20 years of experience in technology across different industries, including organisations such as Oracle, BBC, Reuters, Kmart, Colmeyer, with over 10 years as CIO, Gavin has a strong track record of leading high-performing technology teams to deliver real transformational change. His ascent to CIO has been an incredible journey with lots of learnings and lessons along the way. Gavin, thank you uh, for, for joining me today. Um, I was doing a bit of research about you, and one of the things that really stood out for me uh, was back where it all began for you. And I saw that you, you actually did a degree in computer science in uh, South Australia University yes, uh, back in the late 80s. Um, and I was quite intrigued. I, dis- I did some further research. And what I discovered there's in, in, I couldn't get the actual time frame, but in 1990, only 1,000 people in Australia graduated with computer science. Hmm. So it's still a relatively uncommon degree at that point. So I'm interested, what, what or who inspired you to follow that path? Um, I went to a school in, at, um, in Australia, South Australia called St. Ignatius. Um, and... There was uh, a priest, there was one of my teachers, Father Lane, who um, taught me um, how to use a computer and, and start doing programming. Yeah, right. Um, admittedly, um, I, I wasn't a, a, um, a well-applied student and I did <laughs> want to do law, but I didn't get the marks to get in there, but I did get the marks to get into computer studies. So that's what I did. Yeah, right. Okay. And then once you, you, you finished your degree and you, you stepped into the workplace, how did you find um, what you'd learned at university? How did that translate into the workplace? Well, I have to say I brought that same level of application to my university studies as well. I wasn't a great student at all. And it took me a few years in the workplace to understand that um, I need to bring my best effort every day to be successful. Um, And just cruising through was not going to be, was not the route for me. Um, And at times it was a hard lesson to learn. But having having realised that, um, it's opened a lot of doors for me when I actually apply myself and apply myself with 100% of my abilities. Yeah, right. So when did you learn that lesson? Was that whilst you were at university or was that once you uh, stepped After into university, you, yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't say I passed university. If the finish line was just here, I fell towards it and my nose was a fraction <laughs> over it would be the best way to put it. Um, so uh, I, I, did, I did learn a fair bit from university, but I have to say that I... I probably could have worked a lot harder to actually be a lot better and um but it did give me a good skill in being able to teach myself things because I had to teach myself things <laughs> that um I wasn't present for because I didn't make the lecture or something like that um and I was able to apply that in the workplace there you go so without even knowing it you, you kind of learn how to innovate be creative uh, and adaptive um for, for, from the offset um the the first 15 years of your career uh, you you work for some absolutely incredible businesses and organisations, you know, BBC, Reuters, David Jones, Colmar. You spent some time in the UK, obviously spent some time here in Australia. It's a big period, but if you were to look at that kind of time frame, you know what what were the key lessons that you learned in that in that time? 
Um, the first decade of my career was very technical. Um, I um, uh, In the 90s, Oracle was the go-to technology, um, and I was very fortunate to live in the UK for a number of years, um, and I was very well paid for it, probably far too well paid for it <laughs> for someone my age. Um, but what I learned was how the technology stack works end-to-end. I worked as a programmer, as a systems an, uh, administrator, as a DBA. Um, so actually understanding how um, you know, a program interacts with uh, storage, how it interacts with the compute power, how it works over a network, um, and those sorts of things has actually put me in good stead for the rest of my career. That really strong technical foundation means, although I probably couldn't work on the tools again in, in, in today's times, I bring a really thorough understanding of how the end-to-end works, um, which I find in um, today's times of specialisation, many um, people in the profession don't fully appreciate. Um, when I am, am troubleshooting something or helping someone to troubleshoot something and asking, yeah. so what happens from the pane of the glass when you press that? Where does <laughs> it go for authentication? Where does it go um, to go and get the data? Uh, where's the logic sit? Um, I often get blank looks back from people because um, you do need to think about how that works. And in my most recent role at Newcrest, um, some of the mine sites are very remote yeah. and um, having an application that has to run over a satellite link um, and then work back to a data centre somewhere in a hyperscaler um, uh, through multiple tenancies is complex. Yeah, and pretty abstract Yeah, as well. Um, it's interesting because so what you described there was almost uh, an apprenticeship. Indeed. Um, albeit indirectly, but, but, but in technology. And, you know, I think about apprenticeships as, you know, really touching all the different facets of a, of a profession yes. um, to really understand how the different bits kind of, kind of interact and work with each other. And I also noticed through that time frame that you, you had a number of, um, I'm going to call them short, sharp stints mm-hmm. uh, at places. Um, you were kind of in and out in, in two or three years. How, how mindful at that point, um, I guess, were you in your career about what you were looking to achieve with, with, those, with those roles? Um, to be frank, in the, in, in the 90s, um, often I'd get rung up and offered a lot more money to go and go somewhere else. And <laughs> yeah. that was... Um, very tempting. I did um, have two stints at Reuters where I worked um, in a small team of really gun Oracle people um, and I left um, and then came back. Um, um, uh, they paid me the money that I got paid in the other place and um, I really enjoyed working there um, yeah. but many of the other places I went were more circumstantial. So um, I went to, you know, for example, I ended up working at the BBC because I went to a party and I met the director of television of the BBC who was looking for uh, people to help him with the IT department there because he wasn't happy with the way it was performing for his his part of the, their business. Uh, and I ended up working at the program acquisition department for the BBC through, through that. Um, and it was a great opportunity to work in what was a very fun place. And it was the first opportunity I had to actually bring a commercial lens to what I was doing with technology. I, I actually worked on commercialising the um, um, the back catalogue of, uh, of uh, BBC, the BBC's collection of yeah, film right. and TV. Yep. So they were able to resell it um, unused um, rights onto satellite channels and, and things like that that created a, you know, several million dollars of additional value each, each year or several million pounds yep. of additional value each year for, for that business. And um, that, that experience is something that's sort of like I've, very much applied to the rest of my career since then. 
Um, and so they, that's, as I said, that's interesting. So because, you know, take the BBC as an example, it's uh, they've got no advertising income. Yeah. Um, so the ability to, to generate revenue, it's it's interesting there, the connection between technology mm-hmm. and the commercial outcome of what, what an organization is looking to achieve. And, you know, you, you, you can, it's quite apparent there that, that there was a, a connection there for you. Between yeah, those yeah, two things. very much so. And uh, the same, you know, in terms of that serendipity, um, yep. I, I came back to Australia for a holiday. A number of uh, people I worked with at Oracle were actually working for Aussie Mail. Um, I was actually sleeping on a friend's couch and got talked into coming and doing some work there for a while yeah. um, and found that I wasn't living in the UK anymore. After a couple of years, I was living back in Sydney in Australia. Um, but again, I learned a lot there. Um, that um, business, they were so focused on creating value so they could exit exit. Um, uh, and there's a lot of things that, you, that they did at the time where I scratched my head and going, you know, why are we creating an internet phone service? Why are we doing this? But they're all things that they could speak to the investors about and in turn drive up the share price. And yeah. um, it was um, uh, a real, it was very similar to that experience I had at Reuters. Lots of really smart people. It was a real uh, competition for uh, getting funding for whatever technical idea you wanted to do. Um, and you had to be a little bit, um, um, how can I put it, entrepreneurial in how to make things yeah. happen. Um, do you think that's an important trait for someone working in tech? I do think it is. I mean, I think you've got a view, you can either work within the boundaries that are set for you or you can think outside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the example I was thinking of in Aussie Mail, I felt that we needed to do a better job on reporting and I wanted to build a data warehouse. Um, but I, I, um, I lost in the contest of ideas versus a new billing system. And uh, so, but I'd been eyeing a, um, a Sun Spark box on someone's desk that no one was using. So <laughs> I gave a system administrator um, uh, a case of beer in order to rack it and reformat it and, um, and use it as, as uh, the data warehouse. And it actually, that move led to us identifying um, uh, an issue with uh, our accounts receivable um, for uh, the, the business customers we had, a significant one, and we in turn implemented Oracle Financials in a rapid implementation of three months, uh, which you know is even in today's times is pretty fast, and we're able to uh, recover the cash from those um, parties, uh, which in turn meant that we had the cash flow to continue trading until we were able to sell the business. So... Um, yeah, that entrepreneurial, um, you know, maybe questionable approach um, <laughs> led to a, led to something that was really valuable for the company. Oh, who doesn't like a, a case of beer as a bribe, right? <laughs> um, it's interesting, a couple of times there through describing that phase of your career, you talked about uh, the connections that you made, mm. uh, the network. Um, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's not, you know, not what you know or who you know, it's who knows you. Yes. Um, how did you sort of develop that side of your career and, and how much time did you invest in building a network? Um, I've been really fortunate in, um, again, you know, uh, ending up in places where I've uh, been able to work for some wonderful people. Yep. Um, there's two particular mentors who I still have now uh, and yep. um, I actually spoke to uh, one of them on Sunday this week. Yeah. Um, uh, so after I was email, I went to work at David Jones. Yep. And... Um, at David Jones, a gentleman called Laurie Turner became the CIO there and I worked yeah. for him. Uh, and I ended up working for him um, for the next 13 years at um, 
I, I, I followed him to Colesmire down in Melbourne. Um, I worked for him at Optus uh, back in Sydney. I commuted from Sydney to Brisbane to work for him at Horizon. Um, and uh, I, the thing about Laurie is he was a values-based leader before anyone was even talking about that. Yep. He is someone who was successful not by climbing over the back of other people but by treating people with respect. Um, he's you know, a really well-loved um, uh, executive. He knew everyone's name. He took the time to ask them how they were going. Um, and I learned so much from him in how to form cultures, how to treat people. Um, and you can probably imagine, you know, that earlier part of my career, I had a, 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 an element of technical ar- ar- misplaced technical arrogance, <laughs> um, and bringing everyone along, letting them be and be the best person they can and make the contribution they can because you created the space for them to do that. I very much learned that from Laurie. Um, and uh, to your point, uh, that there seems to be a large number of companies on my CV. Um, there's only one person for 13 years of that. Um, yep. And uh, uh, he's uh, been a wonderful source of advice for me uh, since then as well. Um, and I very much channeled uh, much of what I learned from Laurie and also from another gentleman, um, uh, uh, Peter Marler, who was the group mm-hmm. CIO at, at uh, Colesmeyer. Yep. Um, Peter was a really brave CIO, he put his chest out and went into any fight. Um, he and he was great at marketing. You know, he was really focused on okay. on that. And he had a phrase that I loved. It was um, uh, when you're successful, no one rem- will remember how much it cost. <laughs> and um, uh, both he and Laurie, I've very much channeled the lessons I've learned from them into my role at Newcrest as the CIO. Um, and on day one at Newcrest in, in the CIO role, um, which happened about a year after I started, I talked about working for them. I said, these are, these are yep. some great teams I've been a part of and I want to create a team here like that. Let's talk about what kind of team we want to be, what kind of leaders we want to be. And, you know, I very much it's a cornerstone of um, uh, what I've brought forward in my career. Yeah, fantastic. So if, if, if someone is sort of listening to this um, and looking for some advice around how to find a mentor, um, or what they, what attributes makes a good mentor in your opinion? Um, I think someone who, um, first off, I'm conscious as well that um, every interaction you need to create value both ways. Yep. So it's not just, I think there's the flattering moment of someone actually wanting your advice, which is great, but also um, being conscious about how you can, you can contribute to them. Yep. Um, and seek out people who maybe aren't like you um you don't um uh, uh you know we tend to attract people that <laughs> that are similar to us sometimes yeah and finding someone who's going to challenge you or maybe tell you that you're wrong or that you're not seeing it right or that you maybe need to see it another way i think is really important yeah great okay and i think we're um i'm a big believer that we're, we're shaped by the feedback that we mm. receive if uh and often that comes from our mentors uh, through 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 that journey, what would you say has been the most significant feedback that you've received in your career? Um, actually, it's from Laurie. Um, uh, uh, he actually said to me once. This is very early when I was speaking with him. Um, just because you're the strongest, it doesn't mean you have to win all the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, and he then went on to explain that um, what he meant by that was that I need to create the space for other people to succeed. 
yep. and um, uh, you can't, you know, you succeed as a team and you fail as an individual. So, which I think was really good advice. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So you you mentioned Newcrest there, yes, um, and obviously that's been your your most recent role. You've you've been with them for the last eleven years. Yes, uh, nine as CIO. Um, and I read somewhere that you joined as 2IC to, is it Carl, Carl Duckinson? Correct, yes. Right? Yeah. Were, were you actually hired specifically as his successor? Was that the plan? Yeah, that's correct, actually. Um, I was uh, still working for Laurie in Brisbane uh, at Horizon and uh, Peter Marlow actually um, was in yeah. town and took me out to lunch. Uh, he was coaching uh, Carl Duckinson and, and some of Carl's team and said, you should come and join Newcrest. You'll be CIO within a year or so. <laughs> Um, so I took the plunge and um, and uh, moved to Melbourne to, to take up the role. Um, although it didn't pan out the way that I expected. Um, the uh, About two, two or three months after I started, the gold price fell by 25% and yep. the whole business um, was cash flow negative in a significant way. Um, and the IT function went through a, a very painful restructuring, uh, which saw at site and at group about three went from about 360 people to 120 people um and uh all of my former peers as direct reports to carl duckinson and carl left the business and i became cio um with a a new team of people who'd never really worked at that level before um but had the wonderful opportunity to apply all the lessons that i'd learned from great people in the past yes i i read about that i read that um when you took over as a CIO, you were tasked with building a streamlined function. I yes. think was the phrase that was used. Um, how did you navigate that? Um, I was conscious that you need to present what you need to the outside world and, and meet their needs, but I didn't want us to just um, crawl into the cave and wait out the bad um, times the company was experiencing. Um, so uh, although we were very cost conscious, uh, and I, I wanted to flip that around to being value conscious as well. Um, and part of that focus was having a really big focus on metrics. So measuring things, having all of those things to hand, using that to drive the actions. Um, yeah. We created a thing that we called the fact base in Newcrest. Um, okay. And that was a uh, now uh, was a spreadsheet, but now a very long, uh, big digital uh, platform that contains licenses, calls, incidents, um, uh, SLAs, etc. And um, I remember after being there a year and doing this, uh, overhearing one of um, the people who work in the teams um, explaining to a new person it started that um, uh, before um, we put the fact base in place, we didn't know we were successful because we didn't measure it. And now we do. You're right. And we know we're successful. So that... Um, that has enabled me to then make the case for value yep. uh, and articulate the value that we're creating. And if you look back at through those measurements, um, uh, we are we can demonstrate through benchmarking year on year that we are the best in class when it comes to cost. And it doesn't mean that I'm looking for the lowest cost. It's the overall rather than the, yes. the individual pieces. We can demonstrate that we're aligned with our customers Um for the last seven years, we've been at or um, or above eight out of ten for a net promoter score from site general managers. And in mining, site general managers are kings of their kingdom. Uh, sadly, yeah. sadly, all kings and no queens. But yeah. um, um, to have that alignment with that cohort and be able to demonstrate that is really important. 
Uh, and finally, um, uh, we had a business improvement system using the McKinsey Wave tool. Yeah. Um, much of what we delivered largely through our digital investments were measured in terms of um, returns, whether that's um, uh, additional free cash flow or cost avoidance. Um, uh, and over seven years, we've delivered hundreds of millions of dollars of value to our business. And um, let me assure you, our CapEx budget was um, a fraction of that uh, each year. Yep. Um, so uh, I think that culture of measurement has enabled us to be able to turn it into a, a discussion about value and a and also meant we've had a track record of delivery that we can point back to, which in turn um, makes that conversation of why I want to make this investment a lot easier the next time round. And I, I should add, and to the credit of the team that, I, um, that I've had the privilege of working with, um, they're on time, on budget, delivery of projects for years now has um, uh, been at around about 97%. The worst year we had was 91%, yeah. um, which um, I, I, I'm I not aware of anyone in the Australian <laughs> market who's anywhere near that kind of level of delivery. I'm not aware of anyone on the planet with that kind of delivery. I think uh, I also read um, in one year you delivered 400 projects, yes, 97%, which is an incredible achievement. Um, and you, you know, you've outlined there some some you know the the, the business tools and you know, the the the, uh, the way you've delivered those things. Um, but I also read that you you your strong focus was on uh, I think the quote was that the, the type of team you wanted to be. Yes. Um, I just wonder if you could elaborate. You know, what does that mean? Um, it's very much a values based team. I think you know I'd articulate it as a team that has a strong desire to be successful yep. while getting the care and trust and respect right as well. Um, and I think those behaviours around, um, you know, wanting to use metrics to define things, um, uh, being, trying, I should say, trying to be comfortable with uncertainty, um, uh, uh, which uh, we have to experience all the time, uh, but getting getting the respect right for the people that we work with um, has really been the cornerstone of what's made us successful. Um, I often believe that if you get the how right, the what will look after itself. And those um, values and behaviours that we have very much have been the case. Uh, the other thing I also believe is uh, when you're in a senior role, you set the tone, but you don't really own the culture of your team. The people yep. throughout the team own that culture. Uh, and although you know, I mentioned on the first day as CIO, I talked about um, what kind of team we wanted to be and I listened to, and, and we captured a lot of that we actually gave that to a group of people who are on the ground, um, level one employees and contractors who came to be known as our cultural ambassadors. They took some of those thoughts and behaviours that we talked about on that first day, linked them back to Newcrest's um, five values. And th those behaviours and values have very much become um, the thing that drives the how for us. Uh, and we actually recognise that through a... Um, uh, what we call the I Love It Awards. It's um, yes. um, uh, I uh, living our values in IT um, yeah, right. every quarter, um, recognising the behaviours that people have displayed. Um, and uh, it's great reading through the nominations that we get um, from across the whole team, you know, both out at our sites and also at the group level as well. So the Peter Drucker quote, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Uh, I think yes. that's uh, what's kind of going around my head as I'm, I'm listening to you kind of describe there the way that you, you very mindfully, um, not not in a 
in a way of what you wanted, but you were very, what's the right word? You, you, you watered it, you nourished it, you, you actually encouraged it to, to flourish. Um, I guess with that in mind as well, as you stepped into that role as CIO, you, you, you've got some fantastic role models around you through your career. I've no doubt worked with other great people as well in your time. What traits did you look to adopt from those people um, in your own kind of version of being a CIO? Um, given the, the burning platform uh, that the new Crest business was facing at that point in time, I really wanted to channel the calmness of Laurie. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when something goes wrong or, a, you know, a backup had failed and a system had failed, you know, advising people, take your time, make sure you get it right, don't jump to fixing it straight away, you know, spend a bit of time to make sure that you understand the underlying cause. Um, I know that the um, uh, the goal of incident management is to restore service straight away, but I'd, I'd like to, it to stay restored. So yeah. I think creating that kind of calmness was important in the early days. Um, and also articulating, I think, when you're facing difficult times that having that cultural compass to point to and reinforcing yeah. that was very important. Yeah, great. Often people um, see, see someone in a role as a CIO, um, but they don't necessarily, I guess, understand exactly what does, what does that mean. Mm. Um, what, what does a typical day in the life of Gavin Wood look like? Uh, well, right now, because uh, I finished up at Newcrest, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, much quieter. But prior to that, um, a typical day would, um, uh, I'd probably be up before six, um, maybe checking the emails, maybe a call to um, to Canada. Um, then I'd get my son up, I'd make him breakfast, um, uh, get him ready for school. Um, my, um, and uh, if it was a Monday or Friday, I would take him to school. Um, otherwise, my wife would. Um, then, uh, and again, another thing I learned from one of my mentors, Laurie, um, Laurie went running every day. It didn't matter how hot it was or how hard it was raining. Uh, my version of that was I got on my bike and rode, rode to work every day. Yeah. Again, uh, if it was pouring with rain and I had to squeeze my socks out <laughs> when I have the water when I arrived, it didn't matter. <laughs> but I think that sent a message of consistency and yep. uh, purpose, um, to, uh, people. Um, and then it's. Uh, largely meetings, but many of those meetings will be one-on-ones. Um, I think the value in um, spending time with people, um, listening to them, giving them a bit of context um, that they may not be aware of that could help them uh, find value or meaning or the right course, yeah. I think is really important. Um, I, I think, you know, at least a, a day to two days of my week will be spent on that. Yeah. Um, and um, in spite of uh, 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 culture eating strategy for breakfast, I, I, <laughs> I do believe in a lot of structure. So uh, we had a, a very s- structured uh, set of leadership team meetings which would cover different topics each week of the month. And if you attended all of those meetings, you could pretty much be across every part of what was going on in the IT function yep. at all the sites, whether that was service delivery, projects, financials, um, risk, cyber, uh, uh, people, etc. Um, so much of my week would be in meetings which were structured and in turn, you know, would uh, um, enable um, uh, me to make any course corrections that I think needed to, be, it needed to happen, uh, me to have a view on the kind of development needs that the team needed and for us to be able to invest back in that. Um, and also um, to um, spend time with our stakeholders. Um, yeah. So uh, I have... Sadly, for my family, spent a lot of months away. Um, 
out at mine sites in different places um, as part of Newcrest. Um, uh, but spending time at where people go to work, uh, understanding things from their perspective, their context, uh, and be able to bring that back and provide that to my team to help them be successful has been really helpful too. So that's been my my typical week. And um, if I look at this year, I've probably been away from home about three months um, in right. total already. You're not going to miss that? No. no. <laughs> well, my you, son won't miss it, actually. He's made that very clear. Yeah, I'm sure he won't. Um, you've, you've been CIO, uh, or had been up until last week, uh, mm. for, for nine years with, with Newcrest, which is about two and a half times the average tenure. Mm. Um, I'm just interested in how you stayed fresh in the role uh, with, with what you were looking to achieve. Um, I think uh, that strong desire to be successful um, translated into um, the team actually looking for new things. So, you know, we started off very much in the traditional IT space of, you know, networks, infrastructure, um, enterprise systems. Uh, We gradually took on all of the OT apps um, and that then created a platform for us to move into the digital space. So there's a lot of work that we did in um, uh, AI, data, et cetera, that created a lot of interest in the role. Um, and also in the in the transition towards that, we tried to be fairly entrepreneurial. We did a lot of in crowdsourcing with an organisation called Unearthed. Uh, we actually co-developed a um, online crowdsourcing platform with them, which was uh, quite successful at the time. Um, so I think those finding those, those projects yep. um, were helpful. Um, and also I think we were consciously using what we were doing in the external world to build our internal brand. So yeah. if um, a mining engineer from outside spoke to their mate inside Newcrest and said, I see you're doing really cool things with crowdsourcing or with artificial intelligence, it seemed to be more valuable than me actually saying that to them. So yeah. <laughs> um, it seemed to be time well spent. And I think uh, as in recent years, I've been very fortunate um, uh, to work for Suresh Vadanagra, who's our Chief Technical and Projects Officer, or was our Chief Te- Technical and Projects Officer at Newcrest. Um, and he afforded me the chance to work on a lot of other different things, uh, whether that was in um, uh, technical strategy for the company, uh, culture in his team and others that have been um, nice side gigs to have, um, yep. or side hustles, as I used to like to call them, um, that, are, that, that kept it, kept things interesting for me. Yeah, great. That you've 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 had an incredible career, and uh, you know you've acknowledged, um, I guess, some of the real positive aspects of what you've achieved and opportunities that have presented. Are there any regrets? Yeah, actually, there's one thing. I, one person I haven't mentioned. That I do want to mention actually before we get on to regrets. Yeah, and that's also Jared Bond, who I worked for for a, a long time at Newcrest, and uh, uh, Jared has a wonderful sense of humour and <laughs> uh, and and lots and lots of wonderful phrases as well that I've learnt a lot from um, that. Um, uh, uh, that uh, my team sadly have had to learn too. Um, hopefully, they, they find them. They found them to be uh, quite useful. But uh, his support, as well as Suresh's, through um, through my time, has has been particularly important to me. Um, Newcrest at times has been a hard place to work, um, yep. and having that support of uh, the person you work for, I think, is really important. Yep. I have a little um, formula. Uh, that to be happy in your job, you need to, 50% of it is liking and respecting the person you work for, 25% is liking and respecting the people you work with, and 25% is liking what you do. Uh, and if you don't get that first one right, you're never going to get, you're never going to be happy. So yeah. I've been very fortunate. So um, I just 
just wanted to share that too. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Um, but on regrets, um, I think many of my regrets tend to be uh, actually maybe I think I could have behaved better at different points in time. Um, you know, I, I like to think when I'm, when I'm at my best, I think about what's going to happen next from the action I'm taking and start thinking over the horizon. And there are on some occasions that I think that um, I maybe should have thought that through a bit more. Um, and Because, um, you know, the impact I want to have on people is a positive one. And yep. I'd like to say that I'm at my best every day, but I'm not. <laughs> and uh, it's those things um, where, you know, if I'm fortunate, I get the chance to apologise. Sometimes you don't get to have that moment back again. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's it's people stuff that I think I'm you know I regret the most um, where I wish yeah. I'd given people more time. Um, I hadn't been so quick to get to um, uh, the course of action that was required. Um, yeah. That um, you know I, and I you know I I like my respect is important to me. I, you know that I feel respected and I I like to give respect. Um, and you know when I feel that I haven't fully respected someone else, that's when I've disappointed myself. So that's probably my main regret. Yeah, okay. And I guess that that resonates with um, your sense of leading through values, hmm. you know, your kind of personal sense of that's very important to you in, in terms of getting the outcome, the, the interaction you've had with that person, the way you've, you've uh, understood them yes. um, as well, which I think has kind of come consistently throughout our conversation as well. Hmm. If you were um, if you were to give some advice to your younger self or, to, to, or maybe to someone that's stepping into the world of technology as a career, um, what, what would be your kind of one uh, or top piece of advice you would you would pass on? Um, well, I think we've probably covered the one, the one that you know that getting culture right and and, yeah. and values right and treating people with respect. Um, uh, every person that you interact with, um, you know, it, it would be the first piece of advice. Um, the next is sort of like staying um, curious and learning. Um, yeah. And I know lots of people talk about that, but I think uh, every day there's moments you may be sitting in a meeting or attending a talk. And you might be bored. You've got to look for that one percent of value that's there. Yeah, uh, there's always something which makes you think, "Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way," or yeah. maybe I need to change what I think about that that approach, or I could use that and and apply that elsewhere. Um, and I think you can then apply that learning mindset to the businesses and organisations that you work in. Um, I found it really fascinating learning about the businesses I, that I, I've been privileged to work with yep. and how they work, how the commercials work and the context that's given me to understand how I can use technology to create value uh, and work with people and stakeholders because um, just because you want to do something doesn't mean that they want to do it with you. Um, uh, I think having that that curiosity and not just in the technical but in the way the technology is applied. Yeah, that's great. Mm. You've um, obviously just recently finished with Newcrest. Mm. Um, I'm not going to ask you what's next, uh, but we are here in the State Library. Yes. And we were talking earlier about books and a, a shared passion for books. Um, and uh, you mentioned that you probably not had as much time to read as you would have liked. So uh, I guess my final question is, what, what's top of the reading pile? Uh, I've actually just started a thing uh, by Rick Rubensteiner. Uh, he's the uh, he's a producer from the Beastie Boys and other things. Yes. He's written a book called The Creative Act, yep. um, and I've started reading that. Um, a good friend of mine who I've known since the 90s in London, uh, who lives here in Melbourne now, uh, gave it to me as a gift a little while ago, and I haven't had a chance to start it. And uh, uh, another person who's actually made, had a big part in making us successful, a guy called Dougal McBurney, who had a business called yeah, Versa. Versa. Yeah. 
Um, uh, I had dinner with him recently and he'd been reading it and recommended it to me because <laughs> he was using it to think of what his next business idea would be um, uh, now that he's finished uh, with, with uh, the, the Versa idea. So I'm up to about page 30 of that. There you go. Well, I'm I'm going to hold you to account. I'm going to I'm going to check in with you on that because it's uh, it's on my reading list as well, actually. Um, but thanks for your time. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. Anton. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Tales from Tech Titans, and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get more insights about tech careers, then check out the Ember. That's E M B R LinkedIn page for the latest updates, articles, and engaging discussions.